bassist, producer Brady Watt and MC Demrick have linked up together to release their new EP, Wave Riding. Incredible three-song collaboration. Brady and Demrick, welcome to the Library of Tumonico. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you, Brady. We appreciate it. All right, so this is a question for both of you. Uh, you know, obviously, you listen to both your your art, and you you hear so much. I feel you take away so much influences that you know that from from, from you guys and people that influenced you. But what what drew you guys to the music music as a form of expression? And kind of like, what was that first? Maybe that album, that first track that you heard that said, "All right, this is something I want to do. I want to try to convey. I want to do." I think um, for me, dang, what was the first album that really made me think it was all possible? I, I think that maybe at, at this point, like looking at it, I would have to say maybe The Roots, uh, All Things Fall Apart album. But that same time frame that was like my beeps, uh um, I think it was murder music album, and there just was a lot of hip hop that I like most. Def, uh, uh black on both uh, sides album. Uh, I think that that little time frame, because the kind of hip hop I was that I was into at that moment was ciphering with the homies and and like literally rapping in like uh, in in my high school. Uh, like I wasn't in band class, but you could go in there into the little rooms where the musicians would be jamming and freestyling. And that was kind of like my thing in high school that, you know, made me stand out from everybody was the fact that I could rap and that I was down to battle. And uh, I felt like that was, you know, my time to shine was anytime anybody was beating on the lunch table and something like that. And everybody looked nice. at me like, yo, what's, what's Demery got to say? So it was albums like that, that, that kind of catered more to that style of that rawness is the, the initial thing that made me feel like, yo, they're, they're doing this on album level, high level musicianship level that like, but it still has that raw element. I hear Black Thought rapping in. I I could see myself getting to that point or rapping like that on on a beat like that. So I would have to say that that was an album that that made me think that it was possible for me. You know, that's so. How about you, Brady? It's, it's hard to say what album for, for me. It was it was a pretty long journey. I, I was in I was into hip hop at a real young age from my older stepbrother Teddy. Rest in peace. He put me on when I was like eight onto like. Wu-Tang and Tribe, Gangstar, all the dope shit. You know, I was born in 86, so I was really in the 90s listening to all the, the best hip-hop. And um, But then eventually, around age 13, I got into, like, punk rock. And at that point, I started playing the bass. And um, then was really into that and the music end, and then started connecting the, the actual musicianship with hip-hop and then researching who they were sampling and that got me deeper into funk and jazz and all this stuff. And it was just like a long journey really. And something I was kind of figuring out cause I was living in New Hampshire and ain't no one was, no one was doing even remotely what I was doing and no one got it. I was still a cool kid, but people did not know what the fuck I was doing because it was just, I was just sort of, it was, it was weird. You know what I mean? It was kind of weird to be like friends with the rap kids, but I was a bass player. And until I was about 18, then I went to, I moved to Boston and went to music school and I met some more people that were 
like me and I was like, oh, this is this is something that I can do. So I'd, I'd attribute it more to that. It was it was a pretty long long journey to kind of find it. That's actually what that's one of my questions. When did you know that the the bass there was a connection, there was some sort of synergy between the bass and hip hop. I mean, was it was it natural that synergy, or did, was some of it forced? How, like, how did you know it was going to work? Yeah, as I got better at the bass, I uh, just learned more and more stuff. Um, and I kept on just researching more and, and using these records as, uh, as guides, kind of listening to Charles Mingus and then figuring out that he was sampled by everyone and then just finding my role in that. And then I we like started this band when I was 16. It was like an improvised band. It was just bass, drums, and a DJ. And at the time, I didn't even know the roots because once again, I was in New Hampshire before the internet was huge. So we thought we were doing something brand new. Hmm. I was like, we didn't even, we was jamming in my friend's basement every day. And we were like, I don't think anyone's doing this at all. Hey, isn't that crazy, bro? If you think about the pre-internet shit and just kind of like now you're like, oh, what album or what thing inspired you? You know, we got to we're going back thinking about pre being able to do research online and shit like that. And now nowadays, a kid who who is feeling out of place in whatever town he's in or not understand where he fits in, the whole world is in your hand or right in front of your face on a screen. So you see so many people like you. Like just how you said you had to go to music school to meet people that was on the same page as you. Now it's like, you know, that individuality or that weirdness that you feel can kind of be calmed and can be cultivated via just other people on the Internet that you see and that you meet in these these like circles that you create. Man, it's really it's it's really a trip to to go all the way back in time and talk about how we started and where it was because it, it almost it seems foreign to somebody right now because you don't really feel you feel something inside of you that feels different, but you're able to research and find it like that. Yeah, for us yeah. to find it was was so much harder. Like I grew up in Spokane, Washington and and I was loving rap music and hip hop and, and that was what me and, and my whole community was about, but it wasn't the norm of the area that we lived in. And it almost seemed like we were, we were, we didn't have any culture of our own because we were going and getting it from rap videos or from albums that we were getting. But we didn't realize that hip hop was a universal community that was out there that everybody was tapped into at the time. You, you get what I'm saying? Like there was yeah. no ability to see it was as big as it was. It felt, it felt even more special and more guarded because at that time frame, it felt like you had to stand, you were standing up for what it was because not everybody was on the same page as you. It's crazy. Think about if you grew up at this time, right? And like you just mentioned, you have pretty much the world at your fingertips on your phone. Uh, how much, how much different do you think your, your hunger maybe for the art or even your art would be if you knew, I mean, for example, if you knew the roots were already out there, if you knew like maybe you guys weren't quote unquote reinventing the wheel, so to say, uh, do you think you guys would have the kind of the same drive or the different drive? Or, I mean, what do you guys think? It's hard to tell, but I know for me, I'm very one track minded. I'm not able to really spread out and sort of dabble in a bunch of shit. It's like, it's kind of, 
all or nothing. So maybe if I was born in a later time, you know, everything would obviously be different, the whole trajectory of my life. But uh, whatever I picked, I'm sure that's what I would be doing. I, it'd probably be different than this. But probably music, though, because I, I know that um, my natural dexterity is, is really good. I was definitely, like, mm. born to do it. Absolutely. Uh, but I, that being said, I had to work on my ear a lot. My, a lot of musicians are born with, like, perfect pitch and really yeah. good... Oh, this is the pop. Yeah. Man, I wish I had a dog during this, this, this whole shit, man. Hey, they definitely, uh, they definitely I would love to have energy. a dog during this, man. Fuck. Hey, man, out, man. I would have to say for me, the, the internet shit, like, you know, I felt, I feel like an artist like me. I was, I was made for this internet stuff. So I'm glad that it happened. I don't think if it would, if it would have happened earlier, I would have been, I'd have been farther as far as like, financially and things of that nature because this is this is my mentality on it is back in the day like we was trained do a demo get a record deal that was it that was the train of thought and it wasn't even about getting uh it wasn't really about making money off of it it was more in the sense of like you won't he's almost making this shit to prove you were good enough to do it and mm. the internet leveled that playing field to where that's not the energy you make music, you share your passion with people, you share your art with people, and it comes back to you. You know, obviously, the bigger the machine, the more your music gets out there, the better the the results are. Because if you show millions of people, at least hundreds of thousands are going to get tapped in. You know, if you show hundreds of thousands, then thousands of people will get tapped in. If you show thousands, hundreds of people. You know, it's just, it's the same kind of, it's the same scenario all the way down, but... This actually, so the internet really saved me because, you know, during the time when we was doing the demos and all that shit, you know, we weren't getting signed. We weren't getting that stamp of approval that we needed for somebody to say that we could do it. And as soon as I found out that I could post my shit online and I could promote myself and feel my own uh, inquiries and things that came in, the, the game really changed for me because when even when I... I had got that, the, the position to be a hype man and things like that. And I was able to take those photos, take that energy. I was able to take that, pitch it to blogs along with my, my mixtapes at the time and get posts that would start to help create me fans. And that's a, that's way different than when you didn't have that and you was just trying to cut records to go get them to potentially get somebody to get you a meeting so that you could play your music for them to say that, you know, okay, this is good enough for us to try to get behind and do that. So I don't think because that wasn't happening for me naturally right away, if the internet would have never cracked off the way that it did, I might not have been able to put my art out there to the people because there was somebody, there was a bouncer at the door that I had to impress. And, you know, now we just knocked them out the way and we stepped and created our own club, you know? So, so I'm very thankful for the way that this shit went down for real. If I would have been, but, to answer your question, if it would have happened sooner, I believe that, you know, all those times making all those demos and all that stuff, I would have been sharing my my art earlier. Like, I'm one of those people, like, you could go on YouTube and kind of, you could see my whole, me grow as an artist. You know, there's music, there's music videos and content from 10 years ago that I've yeah, you came out up from the, from, the, from the trenches for real, like, and people were seeing you the whole time, too, because you was yeah. exhibits hype, man. 
Yeah. And you were either. way younger. And then, then eventually you signed and then you've gotten a group with exhibit and be real. Exactly. And then, you know, all this other, all this other shit, you've done a lot of legwork over the last decade plus in the weed game and all, all, all the shit that you've done. You came yes. up like similar to me, man. It was just like this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying I've been in this, I'm on probably a thousand commercial releases on exactly. as a bass player. That's crazy. Um, one of the most recorded bass players in, in hip hop. I, I don't know who's more than me personally, but, uh, and that's just real just cause I fucking been doing it every day for like, like shit last, last, uh, I mean, profession last 12 to 16 years, man. Yeah. Me and, me and Demrick have pretty similar, uh, the upbringing was, was, was pretty similar and nothing really came quick. It's yeah, just cool. like hammering until. We are where we are, and we ain't there yet either. But we, we're definitely getting. We slow, bigger. we slow roasted. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. Mar- we marinated. You feel me? But built for it though, because <laughs> we go on stage and, and hit the studio. It's all skill. It's no fucking hype. It's like cats are cats are beasting. So, so how did you guys? So, how, so how did you guys link up? I mean, how did the uh, like? What was the first? I mean, for you, uh, Brady, what was the first Demerick track you heard or bar you heard that kind of said, "All right, I want to mess with this guy," and then vice versa? Yeah, I met him at um at the Wilton Theater when I was shooting episode six of Bass and Bars with Exhibit. Um, I pulled up. We met in the hallway briefly. Then my boy Lou was like. Because I was looking for artists to do like joint EPs with and just produce. Because I was starting to get real known from bass and bars, and everyone knew I was a bass player. But I'm a, I'm a producer as well, so I'm like, yo, I need to be like putting out and uh, tapping in with with new artists. And I just moved to LA, so I was you know just looking for people to work with. And my boy Lou was like, yo, I was at this show last night, and this dude Demrick just fucking bodied everyone at the show, and you should. That's probably your guy. And when people are like, tell me shit like that, I'm just like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> nice. You know what I mean? When Stanley Clark told me to start playing upright bass about a month ago, I was like, okay, we'll do three days later. I had an upright bass in New York. I play every day for about three hours a day. Very dry. Like, the universe says, doom. Primo goes, yo, you do this? I'm like, he's he's a master, so I'm going to listen to the master. My boy Lou, he's a, he's a big producer, and he just has the ear. I'm like, okay, cool. So I hit up Demerick. I checked out his work. I really loved uh, that song, Got a Match. Yeah, Light a Match. Oh, light, yeah. a match. light a Match. Yeah. Got a Match yeah. is a jazz, old jazz standard. Light a Match. And I, was, I just love the soul and the, the, the whole... I connected with his, like, he sounds like just like a road dog, like a fucking touring, like, tough... You know what I'm saying? We're gonna, we're gonna make it type dude. And, um, I, I fucked with that. And then he came to the crib and we knocked out a couple joints that first day. Cool dude. Solid. Showing up. Cause you know, rappers, a lot of times dudes will just like not show up and I can't stand <laughs> that shit, dude. <laughs> it's hard for me to bounce back. Cause I just, I just hate that. I hate wasting any time. So. Demick showed up, boom, did a couple of joints. Next, next time, boom, finish the song, boom, finish the song, right in a row. And then the EP was done, and it was it was dope. So take us into, I mean, actually take us into the collaboration process for this EP. Is it uh, you writing, Demick? Are you writing bars there? Are you like listening to the you know the instrumental and then taking it home and you know figuring it out, or is it kind of just really you two just in the studio working together? 
yeah, we definitely was in the studio working together on on the music. I think that it all wave riding. We wrote on the mic. You know, nothing got written down. It's like bars were getting talked about and, and decided. Melodies were getting created in the moment. Um, the second record, Flow uh, Permanence. I think that I wrote that one uh, at the crib. I took that one and wrote that at the crib first verse and finished the second verse in the studio. And then the third one we wrote. Uh, we wrote in the studio together, but I wrote it down. You know, all this time it's like I create different kind of ways uh depending on the energy if the vibe is there and everything's flowing nothing has to hit the page everything could just be it's just depending on the vibe and the energy um but i wanted to really show up lyrically because brady said straight from the beginning what he wanted and that's why i really appreciate working with him is because you know a lot of people don't got a vision they just want to get in get in the studio and and you know smoke some blunts and take some tequila shots or some henning shots and and figure it out, you know, uh, right. Brady, Brady knew what he wanted. And it's like, at the same time, I knew what I wanted. So we got a chance to sit down and really talk about that. Even when we, as, as we were making the music and even from the first day we, we kicked it, you know, we had a vision and we just got there song by song and we didn't want to overdo it. You know, now I listen to it and I wish we would have gave y'all like seven or eight, you know, if I think about it, but at the time, we had a unique idea. We seen some, we wanted to do something different that, that was more based, that was more like around him playing the bass and all the different sounds that he could create with the bass, you know, and he was producing it and just really wanted to do something left field. And I really wanted to go in lyrically and show people that, you know, I, that, you know, I can't be fucked with it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. For real, you know, and, and uh, and so, we was almost testing the waters with this uh, this project because it's a little left field from from my traditional music that you might hear, like the production and things like that. But I feel like it's an elevated sound, and I'm glad that that we did that because I feel like the result is is being accepted really well by people, and the energy's there, man. So I'm excited about it for real. Uh, Brady, what I liked about uh uh, bass and bars, uh, is what you, what you do is you, it's just you and the MC, right? And, and you really give us an opportunity to highlight the MC's voice as another instrument. Cause, you know, it just works that way. Uh, Demrick is one of the guests on bass and bars. So when you're going to studio with him, uh, and using, let's say using his voice as that extra instrument, are there sounds or notes or even, yeah, like, whatever that you can't use because it might clash with Demerick's voice? Um, not, uh, well, I, I will say that as a producer, I, I work a lot with the vocalist because of my knowledge of like rhythm and, and stuff like that. So I was able, I know, especially with wave riding, I was real instrumental in, uh, me and Demerick were going back and forth on lines and, and I was switching up his rhythms and, that session yeah. was dope. I'll always remember that session because I feel like we together created a whole new flow. Like you, you wrote the whole rap and yeah. then I, I amended a bunch of it. Oh yeah. No, you were helping the, the rhythm is fucking crazy on that song. When I listen to it now, I'm like, damn, I pretty much always want to, you know, obviously with this, what's happening right now, we have to kind of work remotely, but I, I really like being in the studio with the, with the MC. Hey, don't, don't let, don't let, don't let Brady say that. Brady, 
14 years old holding stones like the alchemist is a Brady line. He was like, yo, you got to throw this in here to close the verse. This is what's going to take it to the next level. And every time I spit that verse and that line happens, I see the reaction on people's faces. I'm like, you know, Brady was right, man. You know what I'm saying? The way God was right. He knew what he was talking about right there, man. Yes, it's, sir. It's weird because I, I live and breathe hip-hop. I live and breathe this shit every day since I was a little kid. And uh, But it just so happens that the weapon is the bass. But I'm, I'm very in tune with the lyrics and the lifestyle and, and everything. So... I'm, but I'm glad it, I'm glad it, it, it turned out that way, man. Back in the day, I guess they say I was an optimist. 14 years old, holding stones like the alchemist. But I, I have, it's kind of cool that I'm not a rapper and I'm able to, uh, to like bring the best out of rappers. Which I feel like, well, Dre, well, obviously Dre's a rapper, but I've been, I've been in the studio with him too and he's picking this shit apart, man. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. he's got a bunch of writers. I mean, this guy is dissecting. Like, people are throwing down ideas, and he's like, all right, dope, put this, all right, just place that by an eighth note. And that, you know, like, very meticulous. And that that was the biggest takeaway from Dre, was yeah. we're not just letting shit slide. You know, not that I was before, but I'm very, like, like, nothing's getting by me. You know what I mean? And I'm not I'm not afraid to be, like, that was dope. Let's do better. That was because almost every single time one of Dre's uh, writers in there, he was like, all right, dope. What do you got better? Like almost every bar. Yeah. How do you just elevate it, elevate it, elevate it? Even if you can get it like five, 10% better, 1% better. It's, it's worth exactly. it. Exactly. I've been in there too. And Dre will tell you exactly how he wants you to rap the verse. He'd be like, yo, I hear it. This melody, this pattern, this cadence. And then you just go kind of like fill in the blanks, you know, it's a bunch of almost like uh, scatting type shit. And then you just go in there and you you make it be a story for real. Huge. It's a challenge. It's a huge challenge. He did the same thing with me. I remember one time he spent like two hours on a baseline. And like every bar was like and then instead of like punching or I do a lot of editing. He was like he was having me. All right, do this. And then he would sing. He knew every single note. He he knew every single piece of it. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, actually the track wave wave riding. Uh, about one forty six in, uh, Demrick, you spit, and I apologize if I fuck up your lyrics. Uh, spoken home of broken dreams and broken bottles. Just these boys, so popular black role models. Who who are we supposed to follow? Eleven years old in prison is where me and my pops had our first convo. Uh, at that point, the beat just drops, right? Uh, and it really highlights this verse, uh, what you're spitting. Uh, Demer, can you kind of talk about these lyrics, but also, Brady, talk about the decision to kind of drop the instrumentals there. Uh, you, well, actually, I'll quickly say that the drop. Um, I'm pretty sure the beat... Actually, I forget. I remember, I remember that moment, though. I think I remember. I remember it. You like, yo, you like, we could flip it like this and then have you come back here. And I was like... That don't, in my mind, initially, I'm like, that don't make any sense to stop the rap real quick for, like, a, a two bars right there. And he's like, trust me. Because that, that actual bar that w- that went after that was connected in the beginning. And you were like, yeah, you don't got to say nothing right here. We just move this down. We'll do this. And that's the whole verse. And I was like, I was like, oh, 
okay. And then he did it. He's like, hold on, give me a second. But I did it, played it. I was like, oh, this is, this is it. This is it. Broke the music down. And I was like, yo, this is, that did take that to the next level. Dude, space is very important. A lot of rappers, they'll, they'll keep going because they're used to, to rapping and, and battle rapping in the street or whatever. And people cut them off and shit. Yeah. But, uh, space is important in, in jazz music and soloing. And one of the illest dudes that space is guru. For instance, hmm. don't even feel like drinking or even getting high because all it's going to do really is accelerate the anxieties I wish I could alleviate. You see how this this all taking this time in between, man, yeah. like Donald Bird. It's different. And a lot of cats just be like, yeah, Demerick's good with space, man. It's fucking powerful, like dropping off for two beats. Yeah. And that story, that story, I mean, that that's just all you... Brady, I remember on that record, you was like, yo, I need you to be as descriptive as possible. You're like, this is what's going to make this a good song, is if you really get in there and, and give them the details and everything. So I've touched on a lot of that stuff in, in previous records, but the, the reality of, of me growing up as a portion of me growing up as a child till, till I was like 12, 13 years old, like I lived in Spokane, Washington. And Spokane, Washington, it has a lot of people there, but it doesn't have a lot of, uh, in the sense it don't have people like a, like a big city or anything like that, like a, like a Seattle or, or something like that, probably the biggest in that state. But I'm saying from the mindset, there's not a lot of urban people there. And there's not a lot of, there's, if you look at the history of that, of the state and of that city in general, a lot of racism that, that was in that state the whole way through. There's not a lot of black people successful. Like my aunt, my aunts, my uncles, my my father, my uh, biological and my my stepfather. Like they, my homies, everybody. A lot of people have been in prison. A lot of people have been in jail. I know more people in jail and in prison. From that, from Spokane, then I know anybody that's doing anything that's, and I'm not even talking about doctors and lawyers and things of that nature. I'm just talking about regular workers with, with good jobs, with owning property, with those types of things. Those weren't around. Like, you know, my uncles were hustlers in the street, you know. My biological father went to prison early for a long time. Uh, and I never met him. And he wrote a letter to my mom saying that he wanted to meet me. So my mom took me up to the prison at 11 years old. And I went and sat in the room with him. And he basically sat down. I remember I had a Bulls uh, uh, jersey on. And I just was just, I basically already tapped into that same thing that was already happening. And what I'd seen from my aunts, my, my uncles, my cousins was everybody was in the streets. And so I, by the time I had met him for the first time, that was already where my head was at. And he was like, oh, yeah, you, that's cool. You you come in here. I was standoffish because I had never met him ever in my life. But from his mentality, he looked at me and thought, oh, you were you a little punk. You know, you going you you know, you you in here standoffish. You going to end up in here with me. That's where you're going. That's where you're going to be. It's like you're going to have that that attitude. He, I remember he told me, he said, that attitude is going to land you right in here with me. My first wow. reaction was my first reaction was, you know, 
fuck this dude. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to go meet him anyway because, you know, I grew up, the way I grew up, he was, it wasn't a factor. So in my mind, he wasn't a part of my situation. So why meet him anyway? Uh, but my mom pressed me to go do it. So I went and did it. And then from that conversation that we had, one, the only time I've ever talked to him in my life, that was the conversation. And I, I walked away from that thing thinking like, number one, I'm never going to prison. And number two, you know, I'm never tapping in with him. I'm never going to have him be a part of my situation because he didn't have enough foresight to understand me at 11 years old, what kind of feelings I might have walking into that room. He took that standoffish uh, mentality and, and didn't understand how to work around that and get to the point to talk to a kid that might have these kind of feelings of hurt or whatever energy might be there and how to do it. You know, he just looked at me as like, oh, you think you you think you the one, huh? So you're going to end up in here with me. So I walked away leaving leaving that with that my, that mentality. So I put that in that song and just to say that there's no positive black role models in, in Spokane, Washington, which is, is really, there is probably some now, but, you know, I really couldn't point them out growing up, you know, Spokane, home of broken dreams and broken bottles. Just deep boys, no positive black role models. Who we supposed to follow? 11 years old in prison is where me and my pops had our first combo. He said I'm about to end up there with him. My love for the street life about to land me in the pen. I told him that this shit about to have me in the bed. You left your kids out cold getting hand-me-downs from friends. Now let that shit sink in. See, they try to bring you down when they ship sink in. Uh, so uh, no, those lyrics are just, they're, they're powerful. That whole part is just, with what you guys would do, the instrumental and also with your lyrics are just kind of, those are like unforgettable lyrics that are on the, the three, the three songs that really just kind of like hit me hard and I was just like, oh shit, this is so good, you know, pretty incredible stuff. Thank you, bro. Um, I want to ask you about, uh, flow permanence. Um, there's a I, I like stru st song structures and structures and kind of really have this interest that in the last 48 seconds uh, we don't hear from Demerick again uh, we just hear kind of instrumental what was the kind of the the thought going into that why why leave us with kind of like 48 seconds just of, of music the idea from the EP was to have a lot of lead bass the whole EP is just bass and vocals and drums and um, all the melodies are based just higher up and different sounds and effects and stuff like that I had that instrumental ready in that the hook kind of stood alone as just a musical piece um, kind of sounded like a Stanley Clark record or something like that and um, it's something that I'm trying to do as an artist is be an instrumentalist but sort of moving as a rapper like there'll be a bass solo on a on a rap song and it's featuring Brady Watt you know what I mean uh, just to shake shit up you know and uh, I always just do what, what feels right anyway and felt like it felt right he wanted to show years. off he wanted to show off that's it you know yeah. <laughs> he wanted to, he wanted to talk with his hands man he wanted to give you that energy you know? yeah. hey, and that's what that's what this project was about you know it was it was about showcasing both of our talents and letting him as the producer and as a you know because he's producing the whole the whole song and then getting on there and and his weapon of choice being a bass so maybe you know he's like hey I'm about to show off right now he's like hey this song don't need a chorus lyrically I got the chorus, watch, I'm going to do this. And he's like, yo, and 
when it's done, when you're done with your second verse, I'm going to do uh, a chorus again into like a crazy outro bass solo. That's exactly uh, what he did. And for me, that was a real different track to get on even tempo wise and things like that. And uh, mm. that was real. That was a that was a Brady White creation right there. An idea executed uh, very well, because when we performed it live, I think is when I really understood the energy of that song, you know, how we could Dude, show we were off. Supposed and... to be, we were supposed to be on stage this week, man. We was, we, uh, oh, Demick was going to come out to my New York. Um, I was, Sunday was Bass and Bars Live in Brooklyn, and that was about to be fucking insane, dude. Like, everyone, I'm friends with all, all, all these rappers, man, and they're all down to come through and, and rock with my band. Like, we was about to do a whole run. Demerick was flying out. We're going to perform the album live on Sunday, and in um, Boston, the Middle East. I had the Middle East on Tuesday. Oh, nice. Oh, that's dope. But man. hey, man, right when this shit's over, bro, I'm talking to my booking agent early today. Immediately, we're fucking going, man. And I'm going to keep Let's running go. it up during this whole quarantine shit, man. I'm, I'm in the studio every day. And uh, we still got, luckily, we still, we had this content ready and we had a lot of video stuff and it's actually a pretty good time. So we're going to keep on running up and immediately when this is over, we're going on the road because we're performers, dude. Like the records are amazing, but the 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 stage show is is where we really, really shine. And I'm looking forward to just getting on the road with it, man. So is there a, uh, for you two, is there a, a complete album coming out or is it just, as you said, more performances live? Um, I mean, would there be more tracks that, than these, than the EP? I think we're plotting on the next move, man. You know, as far as, uh, how we gonna run it up. Um, definitely conversations about how to keep this thing going and keep this energy growing. I think we on to something special and we tested the water. That's what we wanted to do by hitting them with the- I can tell from the response already that this is something that we should continue to um, to build on. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna loop back around real soon. Stuff's always in the works, and uh, we're friends. You know what I'm saying? We we be chilling, and yeah, we rocking, man. We're rocking. I right, so my final question for both of you: uh, Is there a it could be lyrically, it could be uh, production-wise, but there's there like kind of a part of this album or lyric of this album that uh, kind of really is like an oh shit, I can't believe we did that or pull that off moment. Man, the, for me, it's the whole project. I don't know if I could pinpoint an exact moment. I think, um, I, like I said, like the first song, or I didn't say this to you, but I've said this in the past that the first the first song is like a it's a it's about where I came from. It's about the struggle that I've been through. The the second song is more of where I'm where I'm at in the time. Is at least speaking from a lyrical standpoint. And the third song is where it's almost like a projection of where we're headed. You know, uh, the way I'm feeling these days, I'm about to put a million in the safe. You know, where I'm feeling these days, these other rappers shouldn't feel safe. And just even that skit with the the whole mentality uh moving forward you know that that shark mentality that that go out there and and conquer to to survive and and to keep going and just that that whole mentality i feel like as a whole i'm real proud of this thing lyrically and musically the whole way through but speaking on on the lyrical execution i i feel like it was really good piece so it'd be hard to highlight 
one thing. I think that we looked at this music as something that should, it's three tracks, but it's consumed in one continuous thing. That's why Brady had the transitions lining up the way that they did in the music. It's, it's meant to be almost uh, uh, experienced in its entirety. Yeah, I went back and forth with my mastering engineer, Tony Dossie. Yeah, he's an OG. He, he's, he's done all, all the, you know, since the beginning, a gang star. But uh, I went back and forth with him about 10 times getting those transitions right to the millisecond. You know what I mean? The way, the way it all flows together is uh, very strategic. I really like the, the way that track one goes into track two. Uh, that's one of my favorite moments, but that's just on some music nerd shit because of the, the way the, the tempo and the rhythm connects. It's sort of like a metric modulation. Uh, it's, it's kind of hard to describe. It's a, it's a music term, but the tempo changes drastically. But the way that I place the rhythm, it sounds like it's the same trajectory. Oh, nice. Okay. It's in well, a nutshell what that means. Uh, that's one of my favorite moments. Demerick's performance on Wave Ride and lyrically is one of my favorite. That I just love that song so much. Um, also, the the flow permanence within baseline is that's one of the best baselines I ever wrote. So I can admit that to myself. Uh, I just I just love that shit. And when we do it, it's fucking just hard to do too. When we do it live, by the end of it, I'm like, ah! <laughs> just to like keep it going for that long on stage is tough. I love that shit. Oh, we got another bass and bars to drop, man. Yeah, we still we got, got another one more in the clip. Right, what are we doing? Yeah. That yeah, let's run it, bro. I'm with doing it. Doing on Wednesday, I think. Okay, to just cool. keep the bass and bars schedule going. I'll just that'll be in episode forty-two. Fuck it. Let's get it. Yep. Nice. Uh, new EP, Wave Riding, uh, Brady Watt and Demerick. Uh, it's an incredible EP. Uh, buy it, download it, do whatever you gotta do. Uh, Brady and Demerick, thank you so much for joining me on the live with Tim I really appreciate it, guys. Hey, man, appreciate it, brother. Thank you, man. Really great interview, man. We appreciate you. But see what Kasha, cause the streets is watching. Time to flex, but I'm not impressed. If my haters not upset. No subs, take them shots to wreck. It ain't so common to have common sense. I'm from the Jack's top, robbing juices 50 cent. Me and my niggas try and get a check. Henny bottles to the neck, killing tracks just to get respect. Nas gas, lot them to the chest. These rappers need real game where their careers recess. God never looked back, tatted on my flesh. So the people from my past, I wish you the best. But I'm thinking about the future, the way I maneuver.